Yeah, welcome back. Week two of Cheltenham, only better. And myself, Natalie Green, joined once more by Kevin Blake and Daryl Carter. You don't really need introducing lads, do you? But I want to know all about your weekend. How have you been? What have you been up to, Kev? Um, yeah, no, I got back from got back from the sales at a week at the sales. Um, as you know, I was recording from a from a dark hotel room last week. But one of our lovely correspondents suggested that I could no longer afford el- electricity. Um, <laughs> that that was that wasn't the case. You only appreciate the the vagaries of, of lighting when uh, when you're in an unfamiliar setting. But I'm back at base today. And what did I do? I went to the cinema last night. That I went to see this Napoleon that that everyone's talking about. Um, if if you like if you like battle scenes. You'll enjoy it. Brilliant old battle scenes there. Harkin back to old Braveheart and all those good ones. Some spectacular battle scenes. If you like historical accuracy, maybe not the one for you. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't see it again, but wasn't upset about it. I like to see this side of you because I just see you as just always being studious and working and no, not a lot of time for fun, Kev. So there you go. You went yeah. to cinema. Are you salt or sweet popcorn? Ah, oh, sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need sweetening up most of the time. <laughs> and Daryl, what about you? You were at um, Haydock, weren't you, the weekend? Yeah, disgraced myself after a few drinks, I think. Yeah, but it was, a, <laughs> it, was it was a good day. It was a good day out. Unfortunately, results didn't quite go my way after the first, but uh, it was a brilliant day out. It always is with, with a Betfair like there. They put loads into the day. Uh, we had the Rachel Blackmore uh, serial winners film being uh, being played out in the in this little stable they created. So really good day, really good fun. Nice to meet and and see a lot of people who came up and. Uh, um and 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 spoke highly of the podcast last week so yeah it was a really good day i enjoyed myself yeah it, it's it's beautiful hey and when the sun's shining like it was and that paddock with the trees it is it's a, it's a really special place a good atmosphere so of course the week that was lads i mean let's get stuck into it we've seen some sublime performances we've seen some unexpected performances it it's been stellar we've got a lot to talk about this week um which is fantastic is what we want we want stuff to talk about especially this time of year um i thought we better just kick off though um with classical dream i mean some people might say nine years old like chase davy but other horses done it you know for he was older than the novice chase he was 25 to 1 into 14 for the turners this is on the betfair sportsbook prices so do have a look 20 to 1 into 14 to 1 for the uh, brown advisory 20 to 1 into 10 to 1 for the national hunt chase obviously seven time grade one winner over hurdles um it was pretty foot perfect daryl can we start with you yeah, I don't know what they're smoking to put him in as 10 to 1 for a National Hunt chase, though. I don't think he'll stay the trip, will he? He barely gets three miles, I think, over hurdles. Uh, look, it was it was pretty flawless from a jumping perspective. Uh, he really attacked his fences. I love the way he went about things. He looked an absolute natural. It's a wonder they've taken so long to go over fences with him. Um, in terms of performances on the whole, we got an RPR of 143, which is on the on the, on the low end, really, for a horse of his calibre. He was beating a horse that he was rated £32 inferior to on hurdle rating. So that you've got to take the performance with a pinch of salt. It was good to watch, good to look at. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him when he comes up against uh, some proper horses in that division because um, there's a lot of decent horses around at sort of the two-and-a-half, three-mile mark. Uh, he got a soft lead. You, you'd have to be happy with it. You can't knock him too much, but um, I think... The cutting into the the prices that he is, I think it's a bit hasty at the moment. Yeah, Kev, we've got to be realistic. Look, it was such a pleasing performance, and, and like Daryl's already alluded to, you can't really knock it, you know. But it's a beginner's chase at Thurlow's. So he's going to have much stiffer task ahead, right? 
Yeah, look, it was a really interesting one, this, because we, we talked about last week, you know, this, you know, these these nice horses going over hurdles, over fences for the first time, that you have to be picky, that you have to be tough on them. Um, and that when we saw one that really lit the fire, that it, that you'd know all about it, this fella did light my fire. <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> um, but the problem is he just doesn't have the profile you'd, you'd like him to have. In that, like Daryl says, he's... He's nine rising ten, you know. He, he he's probably at the the he's probably past his prime, almost certainly. Um, but God, as a first start over fences, you'd be absolutely cock a hoop with this. Like I, I thought, he showed just the most wonderful appetite for jumping. Like he was speeding up going into his fences. He was beautifully fluent. There was no hardly any breaking of stride at all. Lovely and efficient. Um, look, wasn't a strong beginner's chase by by Irish standards, but um, you know, put them away at his ease. And look, it's going to be really interesting to see where he slots in. As you say, as you rightly say that, like we have seen cases of horses of Willie Mullins is going chasing late in life and still being able to win grade one novice chases. Um, you know, Faheen being the prime example. Um, Charger might be one. He's made a lovely transition defenses as well this season, but, um, you just, you, you, you can't help but wonder what might have been because he was, he was declared to make his chasing debut like literally three years ago. And um, and if and he went lame and didn't end up taking his chance, but if he'd gone chasing back then, you'd you'd wonder what we'd be talking about with uh, with classical dream now. Um, like he's been a smashing hurdler, but God, the 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 appetite he showed for chasing, um, you'd wonder has he has he left uh, has he left something behind by be, being so late to go over them? But um, I, you'd imagine he'd go into Grade One company now, and I wouldn't sleep on him. Like he's nine rising ten, but like he wasn't far off his best over hurdles last season, and he showed such an appetite for chasing that um, he he might just make those younger bucks um, work harder up at a higher level. Than that did you come he back might... short a trip with him now, would you, Kev? Because that... he'd be well, he'd be well able. I'd say he'd yeah. be well able. Oh, like he's know. always he's always looked a fast three miler. Like you say, like he's looked like he hasn't stayed a couple of times um, in stairs hurdles, and um, I, I don't think coming back a trip would be an issue. And certainly the way he jumps. Um, you know, it's, it's an extreme, extreme example of what you're saying. Like, but I'd say he'd be perfectly fine at two miles, to be honest, uh, the way he jumps. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, like trip wise, uh, like the, the options, like, like Limerick at Christmas would probably make sense. Um, that's the shorter option. There's a three mile option at Leopardstown. I see the anti post markets. He's much shorter for Leopardstown, but let's wait and see. Willie will have plenty of pieces to move around the table. Um, but the, my my kind of final concluding line is I would not sleep on classical dream now because he's uh, he could well be a factor, especially in in the kind of first half, you know, mid two first two thirds of the season. Yeah, he might. I just found it so easy. He might just be like you two, like a fine wine. He's oh, yeah. better with age. <laughs> you know what I mean? A bit of maturity, a bit of depth to him. Just, you gotta let him. You gotta let him just you know come into himself. Um, we can move on to slightly different prospect in in my opinion jumping wise we can look at mr policeman then um not an overly big horse mr policeman and um you know a solid performance i just thought maybe his back legs came down into fences quite quickly didn't quite have that sort of big attacking scope that we've seen in in other jumpers like classical dream for example 12 to 1 into 8 to 1 for the arco but has drifted to 16 to 1 so this French bred horse, Daryl, I think we'll start with you. What do you make of Mr. Policeman's performance then? 
Yeah, it was a very slowly run race. I was quite surprised when they set off that Paul Tannen was happy to stick him in behind horses. Uh, typically, Paul, on these sort of expected winners, would go from the front, as you've seen with Lotus Classical Dream and Gaelic Warrior, we'll touch on in a bit. But he, he was happy to tuck him away. He was careful, putting an extra stride here, here and there. Bit big. Look, he's... It is a mile off being an Arkle performance. You know, he showed great heart at the death to, to, to get back up, but he was hardly making ground hand over fist. If you compare him to Pinkerton, who was finished in third, I think about 0.3 seconds from the back of the last to the line. So it was the difference between them two. He's got a lot to do to, to live up to the hype uh, of being an Arkle horse. This has got to be £25 off that. I think 16 to 1, drifting out 16 to 1, I think even that's short enough, to be honest, at the moment. He's open to vast improvement. Of course, he is, but. For me, as Kev said, we've got to be picky uh, and it wouldn't be on my Arkle list. Yeah, Kev, I saw the interview with Paul Tannen. To be fair, he said, look, they were just lobbing away. This lad would be better off a quicker pace. Um, so I know Paul wasn't totally happy with the pace they went and couldn't really get him into it as much as he liked. I, I thought um, that Faux de Brezel actually looked <laughs> a quite nice looking performance-wise. I almost would have picked Faux de Brezel over uh, Mr Policeman. Yeah, he ran really well. And, that, and like people are probably... Some people, I suppose, if they don't read the stable tours and that would be saying, God, why, are they, why are they knocking this fella? You know, it's, we've only seen him twice. He's, he's one, two. Um, but like, you have to contextualize it, that Willie was talking so big about this fella. Like the, the words were, were massive there at the press mornings there last month. Um, that gave him as bullish a shout as he gave any of his horses. So that brings a level of expectation with it. And look, this, this just was fine. Fine. If you had to put it in one word, fine. Um, jumping wise, fine like he got he was getting his back end a bit high there and he was jumping him a little bit high the front end as well in places and it, it, he looked in big trouble and look maybe he needs to go up and trip um to to, to be shown the best effect i suspect that's what they'll do with him um but as a starting point just fine and an article does seem a long way away but look you have to respect willie as well um and that when he uses such big words about a, a, such an unexposed horse um, one assumes that there is a fair bit more in there, but look, he has to put it down on the track. And that's what he said about his first run at Cork. You know, he went and beat Cashback um, quite well um, on his Irish debut. And Willie said, well, based on his work, I was expecting even more, you know, so it clearly works like an absolute rocket ship, but that's no good to anyone if he doesn't do it on track. So um, there'll be a fair bit of scrutiny attached to him next time now. He'll want to take a fair step forward. So Mr. Policeman didn't light your fire, Kev, but he might be a slow burner. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Be, by there the way. you go. I see. You <laughs> this way you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> I'm here all week. Um, well, we can move on to, I love the quotes coming in um, from Gaelic Warrior. Six to one into four to one, the Brown Advisory. Um, tens into seven to two for the Turners. Again, I'm looking at the Betfair Sportsbook here. But um, wasn't it lovely to hear Willie say, you know, it was extraordinary um, racing post, a sizzling performance. I mean, the camera angle wasn't wide enough, was it? <laughs> Daryl or, or Kevin, who's going first? Yeah, go on, Kev. You, you tell his one. Go on, Kev. Yeah, like, like I, I, I'm getting out my old cold water bucket again here now. Um, oh, Jesus to, to, Christ. To, 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 pour, to pour a bit on this because it, it just didn't, I, I didn't feel what we saw matched up with what we heard. Um, this look. This was certainly a better race than um, the classical dream contested in terms of quality. Um, but again, I'm just picking at his technique a bit um, because look, I, I've seen him in the flesh a few times. Like he, he's huge, and you'd always hope that he'd make a lovely transition defenses. And look, it was it was it was good, but there was just a few little warning signs. Like he 
he was hurdling his fences. You know, he, he was low and he was aggressive. And that's all well and good. You know, he did, he did get a bit too low at the ninth. And it wasn't a, a terrible mistake or anything, but it just gave a little hint mm. for what might happen when he goes up in class and he's just under a bit more pressure. And I, I just feel that he, he wasn't respecting them as much as you'd like him to. Um, and I'm being hyper picky now because in like my note has jumped quite well in the main, like, and that's high enough up the scale. Um, little bit out to his right. I, I didn't, there was plenty made at that because that's been a thing all his career. I didn't think it was, there was much in it now. Um, not, not enough to worry me. Um, going left handed, not enough to, you know, to seriously worry me. You'd always have to consider it. But, um, if he was drawn at Leopardstown next time, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be holding him back too much based on that. But yeah, look at, I, what do you do with him tripwise? I'd say he'd be well able to come back in trip. I know he ended up over three miles. Personally, I never saw him as a three miler. I was a bit surprised to see him win as well as he did at Punchestown. Um, so they have options. Willie mm. did mention coming back in trip. Um, so look at just throw him in the mix and see what Willie decides to do tripwise. But I just, you know, this was being hailed as, you know, one of the better chasing debuts we've seen. Like I thought classical dream was it was a more uh, stylistically pleasing chasing debut than this. Um in the space of the last few days, never mind the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little ah, cold is maybe maybe going a bit too far. I'm lukewarm, Matt. Lukewarm, my Gaelic warrior. I I don't entirely disagree with you. Actually, I I am with you on the classical dream jumping wise. Um, but it was interesting, of course, Daryl. Um, the third best chase debut of the modern era, isn't it? Behind Altior galloping to Champ, um, there with Gaelic warrior in in third place. So what what did you th- think of the performance? I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was brilliant. I don't think there's any need to pour cold water on this. I thought I thought he was he was excellent, really. Um, I was a big, big against him last season with that jumping out to the right for the Ballymore. I just thought he just can't get away with that. Um, I was interested to see because normally when they go over fences, it's quite heightened, and you normally see it to a bit more dramatic effect. Now he ran down a fence and went to the right. At, I think it was the third last, but other than that, he was pretty good for me. Um, he was low. He was a bit novicey, but that improvement can come with that once he uh, once he gets uh, um, some experience under his belt. But in terms of speed figure, he he was very 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 good. Like he was thirty, he got to the second last thirty one lengths quick, quicker than Favre de Champ do. Um, and then his finishing time was pretty slow, but he was just being eased off. Like this was a horse that was perhaps making mistake mistakes, but was running at his fences at high speed. You look at Classical Dream and his splits between the fences were a lot, lot slower um, in comparison to others in the card. So perhaps that's why um, Gayart, that's why Caelic Warrior is perhaps, you know, making sort of fiddly mistakes here and there, but that could be improved upon. I think this is a, I think this is a, a horse that could go off odds on if he went to the Turners, to be honest. He, he, I think he was four to one after this performance, seven to two now on the sports book. This is this is the potential to go off odds on. Now, look, we want to see him go left-handed. We want to see make sure he doesn't start veering off out to the right. But the turn is the 16 fences. The Brown Advisory has 20. If he's going to slightly go out to his right, you'd think they'd want to go to the Turners. The galloping new track is uh, is more galloping. Like the old track is sharper. If you're going to go out to the right, you're going to lose more ground. So the Turners looks the right race for him to me. Willie being Willie left all options open. The Arkle, the Brown Advisory, the Turners bloody the gold cup you'll probably see an entry from him in that as well but look this is this is a very very talented horse like i can't wait to see him go left-handed we're all expecting him to to underperform going left-handed but i don't think that's going to be the case mm. i think if, if i had to guess like i'd say like i'd say that race we mentioned for classical dream the race of limerick yeah would, would probably be the one 
Um, it means he can keep him away from some of them at Leopardstown, and it, it means that he gets to stay right-handed for the time being, mid-range trip, um, most likely, you know, quite heavy ground. I'd say that would be his, his destination, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's really interesting, and Daryl, to hear about those the, the sexual times between defences, particularly because, like you say, that the quicker you go, and they, they've got to get the legs up, you know, a bit quicker. So, really interesting stuff. And at the beginning, you mentioned the uh, Favori de Chamdu, which we are going to come to now because um, that was a Grade Two novice chase uh, at Punchestown. So, Favori de Chamdu is forty to one into sixteen to one for the Brown Advisory, and twenty to one into twelves for the National Hunt Chase, which he does look suited to because obviously he's a real stayer. And he's a real galloper, Favorite de Chomdu. Um, Kev, we'll start with you on, on, on this one. Obviously, it'd be great to, you know, include um beating Florian Porter in this as well. Yeah, well, it was it was a good performance in itself. He's won a long way. His jumping was, was good in the main. I felt he got a little bit loose at times and was kind of just letting fly. Um, but you look, you'd have to raise concerns about the form. Um, the race did seem to go to bits a little bit on his chasing debut. He'd been beaten by uh, Afrodel Fury, um, who, who you know was essentially pulled up here. Something wrong with him, clearly. Calixios ran terrible. Um, and look, Florin Porter had a, had a very unpleasant experience. It was it must have been deeply frustrating for his connections because there was you know he's always had a thing with hanging left and jumping left, but it was actually going quite well. Uh, for the first four fences or so, he was pretty straight. He looked very happy. And then the, this loose horse came up and just gave him an absolute nightmare. Florian Porter seemed to want to follow him pretty much all the way. And he came, became borderline unrideable there in the straight. Um, in fairness, there has been a tendency with him as well as he started off. There has been a tendency for him um, over hurdles to kind of get worse with the hanging left and the jumping left um, as the race progresses. So um, just because he started well, it's not it's not sure to say that he would have stayed um, on the right path. But um, I don't know if they'll go right hand with him again. Now they took a chance; it didn't work. wasn't all that wasn't all his fault, but um, yeah, just that, that would give me cause to have concerns about the form, the level that that Favre de Champ do ran to. None of this was his fault. He did what he had to do and cleared away and won well. Um, but I would just put, tap the brakes now in terms of getting too carried away about him at the minute until we see him again. Yeah, Daryl, it was, you know, it was a bit crazy, wasn't it? Like over the last fence, I mean, Florian Porter hung so badly. Like Keith Donahue had, had such a job. I mean, he sort of cocked his jaw and it was it was unbelievable. It was, they were all over the show there. So Florian Porter clearly going right doesn't work, was 10 to 1 out to 16 to 1. So on the drift, not surprisingly after that performance, but could be different again, back left-handed. And Fabri de do what did you make of that then? Yeah, I, I thought Florian Paul, he's a character, isn't he? I love this horse. Um, what, what a horse. He's got his own mind and his own way of going about things. But I thought it was an overreaction to push him out to 16 to 1. I thought he was one to take from the race. I, I thought it was a, quite a remarkable performance, really, uh, considering he did what he did. Look, we know he wants to go left-handed. Uh, his speed figure at Cheltenham on, on a chase debut was, was very good. And then the, for the form was franked by Broadway Boy. Obviously, that needs improving on in terms of going to a brown advisory. But we know he likes Cheltenham. We know he wants to go left-handed. I think you. I think very rarely can you put a line for a performance with such a valid excuse. Mm. Um, I think you can do that, and you're now getting six points bigger on his price if you fancy for the brown advisory. So don't let that run put you off. Um, I'm quite tempted to take the sixteen to one myself to be honest about the brown advisory, but we will see how we get this on at Christmas. Yeah, he was full of zest, wasn't he? To be fair, and like you say, it just, it just particularly after loving it. <laughs> Kev's already said the loose horse. I mean, it was just one of those disastrous like races where you just have to go, okay, that 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 didn't work. Move on. And moving on, 
Kev has told me that he doesn't have a big opinion on this, so I'm allowed to fluff it up, which is my favourite thing to do in the world, which is a horse <laughs> called Grey Dawning for the skeletons. I was nearly crying because I'm pathetic and watching Hey Doc and Dan was like, this is my thousandth win with my brother Harry. And oh my God, it was just, it was gorgeous. Um, For me, it was like, it like the dad Nick Skelton had been schooling it, you know, Olympic show jumper, like this horse just it was like a it was like a unicorn, Daryl. A unicorn. Talk to me about Grey not, Dawning. Not impressed with Gaelic Morrow, but Grey Dawning is howled as a unicorn. That's the way I roll. <laughs> it's just because I'd like to take Grey Dawning home. I quite like him as my own horse. Um, but no, we've got to be realistic. It was the it was a nice story, wasn't it? It was nice on the day. It was good for it was good for viewing. But he um he certainly knew how to attack his fences, Grey Dawning. Yeah, he's talent he is talented, you know. You go through his form and he ain't done much wrong at all. He's got a lot of ones by his name and he keeps he keeps producing. He looks a dour, dour stayer to me. I was watching him come home. I really fancy Gary de Manil on the day. Yeah. I must admit, like Probably a bit silly running over two and a half miles, but I thought he's the class horse in the race. He had the experience edge. I thought Patrick would go and put it, put it to him from the front. Greg Dawning picked him up very, very easily. And coming down the home straight at Haydock, he was just quickening between each fence. He's quickening clear. It was a, it, honestly, it was a really, really good performance. I was very surprised on the day. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't sleep on him, as Kev said. But um, you'd be disappointed if there weren't a good few better than him in Ireland. But uh, he's a, he's a nice type for sure. Yeah, no, you 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 would. Let's be. Let's bring it back down. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, a great dawning, <laughs> uh, forty to one into sixteens for the Brown Advisory on the Betfair Sports Book. But yeah, I do like a unicorn. Um, Stateman, right, seven to one into sixes then for the Champion Hurdle. Of course, Willie Mullins, Mrs. Donnelly, um, jumped slickly. Showed a great turn of foot. Kev, should we kick off with you then? You got the job done. Yeah, imagine him cutting off the back, cutting him off the back of that. Um, just just did his thing, didn't he? Um, jumped, uh, maybe one of his better jumping displays. Like he's never been a super slick hurdler, and he tends to give them a little bit of air. Um, tends to jump it just a shade to his right. Um, but look, jump travelled one as he was, you know, as his price of one to six would tell you, he was fully entitled to do. Um, yeah, and on we go. Hopefully, there's more opposition for him to face up to at our Christmas time, uh, because with <laughs> the minute in our in our hurling division, we're set for a season of five to one on shots with Constitution Hill to come this weekend. Um, hopefully, we get we get some more competitive races in this division coming up soon. We will, and and Daryl, um, talking about Constitution Hill, so state man and the performance. Can he put it up to? Can he get closer to Constitution Hill? Do you think this March? I didn't see any really. I didn't see anything in this performance to say that he could. The, the racing post rating rating guys put him a pound below his best ever performance on this, and I, I think that's, I think that's completely wrong. Really, it was a very steadily run race, uh, turned into a bit of a sprint. It was well positioned. He did what he had to do. But this is not the first time State Man's been involved in very steadily run affairs and winning them by a turn of foot. So. When he comes over to Cheltenham and he's in a truly run race, I think he's being found out a little bit, um, to be honest. So, no, I don't think he'll get near Constitution Hill. I'd be very much in favour of Impero Pass being the best of the Irish to take on Constitution Hill. Fair enough. Well, uh, we've got a, a, a mare in this now, Halkadu Tabet, um, which I want to discuss. 25s into 12s for the mare's uh, chase, this French-bred uh, mare for Gordon Elliott, um, owned by Kenny Alexander, Landon Mayor's beginner's chase uh, at Cork. 
Um, Kev, I thought you mentioned that you, you you quite liked the look of her, and I can see why, because she clearly looks the type where there's quite a lot more to hopefully come from this mare. Yeah, look, she progressed well last season. She ended up finishing third in the Mayor's Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham. And um, look, based on this, she's going to be better over fences. Um, she made the running a little bit slow at the second, but from there it was good. Um, thought she showed a nice, neat technique, a little bit out to her left. Um, I'd say going the other way around would probably suit her even better. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing her up in class. Um, look, when these mares go chasing... Um, even in their first season over fences, we, we all start thinking um, mares chase in Cheltenham. Um, we've already seen in the, in the relatively short time we've had that race that trainers aren't afraid to run their novices um, in it against the older mares, which, which is great. I'd love to see more of it in um, in, in non-mares company. Um, so we'll, we'll watch her progress. Look, she needs to drive on if she's going to get in amongst the best of them. But um, we're going to be missing a few uh, top mares uh, this season, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, impervious um, chief amongst them so um, that scene maybe looks a little bit open so if she can drive on um, she might well be able to put herself in a position come March Yeah, Daryl obviously chasing looked her game to put in some nice big jumps how do you analyse the performance of Halka Duterbear? Yeah, lovely pronunciation there. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, I really like her. I think uh, I think she can have a cracking chance if she goes to the mayor chase um, at the festival. She keeps on progressing. This was the fastest of all three Two mile five chases on the card. She did it effort- effortlessly. I thought her jumping technique was brilliant. I actually thought she was the horse to take out of the uh, of the mayor's novice last year. So um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how she progresses. She's 12 to 1. I think that's very fair. If you look at the market at the moment, you've got Allegory Devassi sitting at the top of it. We know she's not unbeatable. Impervious is unlikely to make it back for the end of the season. And Dino Blue, joint favourite of Allegory Devassi, has a stamina to prove for me over two and a half miles, whereas this mayor doesn't. And um, we already know she handles the course chair. I think there's lots to like about her. Um, going back left-handed will definitely suit her. She was edging out slightly to, to the left here. Yeah, I, 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 you'd have to be very, very positive about the performance for me. Yeah, and I thought another exciting performance from a, from a four-year-old, which was really nice, was Predator's Gold, uh, the uh, Willie Mullins charge. Surprise, surprise. But it was a bit fresh and like a little bit keen, but then the way he picked up was quite impressive. Daryl, will probably stick with you. What were your thoughts on Predator's Gold to begin with? Yeah, he looks like a smart horse, doesn't he? Um, he, he was fresh, um, a little bit novicey here and there, but uh, his finishing effort was very, very good. Um, I, I just liked everything. That, I, liked, I just like the way he went about the race, to be honest with you. I think the race will work out okay. Uh, Mossy Fen Park, the runner-up, I think is a shoe-in for a maiden hurdle next time. Um, so I think the form is going to work out okay. Uh, I'm slightly confused about what trip he's going to be wanting to run over, whether it be an Albert Bartlett trip or the Ballymore. He looks sort of a classy horse for, for the Ballymore, I think. Willie Mullins ran uh, Gayard de Manil in that race and went on to the Ballymore. His other two winners went to Handicaps, the Coral Cup and the Mine Pipe. Um, but this is this looks a bit of a classy horse to me. So uh, I think he'll come on a ton for the run. And um, yeah, he's one to be positive about. Yeah. And Kevin, your thoughts on Predators Gold? Um, yeah, I didn't mind him. There's room for improvement in his jumping. I thought he was kind of just fine again. Um, I thought he was worse in the second half of the race than he was in the first half, which you'd rather the opposite be the case. Um, carries himself, carries his head quite low. Um, not not quite to kind of classical dream extents, but um, it was thought it was worth noting. Um, and yeah, I'd be with Daryl. I, I wouldn't have a strong view with regard to his trip. I almost hope they kind of stay mid range next time, and we can judge him. You know, it's always easier to judge these horses when they're a deeper company. Um, so if they if they could keep him around um two and a half next time, that'd be much appreciated. Might make him a little bit easier to get a read on. 
I want your notebook, Kev. I, I've got visions of fire and fine. Fire, fine. <laughs> it. It's awesome. Hon honest, honestly, I have like I have a system that I've been using for like the bones of 15 years. And like I literally have all these words in they're in a scale, like it goes fine, grand. Quite well, well. <laughs> it's, it's, it might seem quite casual language, but it's, it's very, very structured. <laughs> no, I like it. I'm, I'm really fascinated. I like it, and it's good to keep real because you, you know, you can't get overly excited if you don't think you know performance was what you thought. Um, Shannon Royal twenty to one into fourteen to one for Albert uh, Bartlett, Gordon Elliott, Rob Core uh, won that maiden hurdle at Punchestown. Um, off the mark on third attempt. First time cheap pieces, Kev will stick with you. What do you think of that performance? Yeah, sure. Look, he, he was good, wasn't he? Like, he got, got a good start, got a few lengths to the gate, which is always helpful, made the running. Um, thought his jumping was, was I have I have his jumping as grand slash quite well, just so you know, Natalie. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was, I, 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 I said he was clever in short and uh, a shade left. Um, and look, was in control a fair way out. You know, good performance. Will he be, um, uh, you know, will he be able to win a grade two? Novice hurdle, I, I don't know. Um, uh, but I suppose, look, the main pulling point from this race was out Tully Hill. Um, went off eight to one on, you know, one of the better bumper horses from last season, a huge amount of expectation attached to him. And look, as we, we talked about in the opening episode last time, you don't know until you know what these horses go and jump in the first time. And uh, I tell you, the, the old red lights were flashing fairly early with him. Um, he was. Ooh, it was a novice all around the jumping now. Um, safety first, you know, was very anxious to shorten into his hurdles a lot of the time and was getting in tight a bit out to his left as well. You know, a worse mistake at the third last. It was, if if you're one of those now that has got involved in anti-post markets before you've seen them jump a hurdle and you've got involved with this fella, you're not feeling great about yourself at the minute um, because that, that was a pretty poor start. Um, look at he could maybe it was an aberration maybe it was an off day maybe he looked completely different the next day but um oh as a as a start over hurdles goes now for a high profile horse you won't see much more uh concerning ones than that in in my book okay daryl have you got any thoughts uh, what's what's below fine kev uh, well, below fine, we, we go, we go, um, bit novicey, novicey, bad. <laughs> yeah. I thought this, I thought this was, I thought this was less than fine. I think if you take Tully, the disappointment of Tully Hill out of the race, he's beaten absolutely nothing. And, uh, yeah, I think cutting him on the back of uh, a below par performance of another horse is slightly disappointing, really. And I think unnecessary. Um, he, he was, he was okay. For me, um, but the, the, the obviously the talking horse was, was Tully Hill. Look, I they pushed Tully Hill at 40 to 1 after this, so you know, if you are of the impression that this was a complete one off and this was too bad to be true, which it very much looks like, then then 40 to 1, you know, would you take it? Well, I, I personally wouldn't, but if you were all if you were <laughs> if you were a fan of him before the race, I wasn't a fan of him before the race, but if you were a fan of him before that, I don't think. I mean, you would be put off, obviously, but what I'm trying to get at is that was so bad that it, it's got to be too bad to be true, isn't it? Yeah, like it's come from the point to point background. Like it's just we just wouldn't expect it. Like he looked like one of those, you know, flat horse running over hurdles for the first time, and it's like, yeah, he just doesn't fancy it. 
but he comes from the background that he does, which makes it all the more surprising. And I suppose it raises the possibility that it was just an absolute aberration that he, I don't know, that he got a fright early on and just lost his confidence or what. But it was just like oddly poor considering yeah. all we know about him. So, um, look, we're always, it's always a little bit dangerous to, to draw, like a, to, to cut someone's head off based on, based on one, um, race, but. Yeah, we'll watch him again, but uh, I certainly wouldn't be back in the next day. I wouldn't be looking at Cheltenham for him. Um, I just want to see him get back on track and put in a put in a round of jumping that um, is in some way passable next time. Yeah, right. The fire's out. Stone cold. Boom. Ice on the fire. Um, <laughs> we're changing <laughs> now in the North Pole. We are changing back slightly because we in the first show and this show we. We do mention and, and it kind of entwined in our conversation about divisions. And this is um, a listener question that I really wanted to ask both of you um, about where are all the two mile chasers? Two elite second year chasers are in the open division, but only two, as we're talking about John Bon and El Fabiolo here, potentially three have any chance in the Arkle. Is there anything that can surprise in either division? Now, this is slightly relevant to Mr. Policeman, I suppose, what we spoke about before. Um, this is by at CPFC Patriot. So thank you very much um, for writing in to us. Um, Daryl, can I just start with you? Where are all the two-mile chasers? Well, we just haven't got any. It, they obviously filter through as they do from, you know, the divisions below and, and upwards and onwards. And you've got no British novice in the top 10 of the betting of the Arkle at the moment, which is obviously concerning. I think JPR1 and Nappers here were 33 to 1. But even if you look at our open chasers, sort of John Bon is the top rated at 170. You're then you're looking at Edward Stone and Editor to Cheat and Boot Hill. Um, so we, we have none, is the, is the answer. Can anything surprise? I mean, it would be a big, big surprise if if anything could threaten El Fabiolo, John Bon, Marine Nationale in the pocket and Fasal Vega. So the answer is no. We just don't have him unless something's going to drop back in trip. No. <laughs> so, Kevin, yes, loads, uh, loads of British horses to get excited about. There, <laughs> line up. So, Kevin, go on, tell us something we don't know. Uh, but look at it. There's always the chance that something might emerge left field in, in the novice divisions. Um, look less so the, the 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 open divisions. And look, it's very disappointing the lack of depth there because like the the national game has changed a lot in the last twenty years. Like there's there's much more emphasis on horses going chasing than there was 20 years ago, I dare say. Um, and you'd hope that that would result in nice, deep, open divisions, whatever, but the novices, they're kind of potluck. Um, but you should end up, when you bring all multiple generations of novices together in open divisions, they should be deep races, um, but we just don't have them. And, uh, and lack of good horses, very good horses, is a bit of an issue for the game. Um, and you look, when you're splitting them up three ways between... Um, champion Chase, Ryanair, and Gold Cup. That doesn't help either. So, look, at, I could go on about this all day. I've, I've, I've made a vow to myself this National Hunt season not to moan too much, but like the, uh, because <laughs> I could go going? on about it all day. Um, <laughs> I'm hanging really in can. there, but it, it, it will, it will, it will start start you know spraying out for me occasionally. But uh, like, there's just massive, massive, massive fundamental issues with National Hunt racing that uh, need to be tackled on a, on, a, on a, uh, from the very top down. But um, yeah, give me five hours probably wouldn't be enough. So I'll call it a day at that. Don't worry. That's why I'm here. Because <laughs> we're changing. So we, we go like this and we go up and down. Now we're going up. And we I want Kevin Blake, your performance of the week. Come on, hit us. 
Yeah, I tell you, it was at Punchestown. It was a juvenile hurdler, and um, which wouldn't be, um, I, I would have been a big price to make a juvenile hurdler my performance of the week um, at the beginning of the week. But um, here we are, and um, Mighty Bandit and um, Gordon Elliott um, thought this was a really good performance. Um, first time we've ever seen him on a racetrack, um, which is unusual. We don't get to see that loads in, in the juvenile hurdle divisions. Um, usually they're coming off the flat. They might have had a couple of runs in France. Um, but this fella, Red Raw, first time we saw him, um, was clearly doing the right things. He was sent off three to one in a race with a bit of depth to it, um, a strong level of flat horse there. And, and I just loved what he did. Um, loved the way he jumped, loved the way he traveled, a little bit out to his left, um, kind of worked his way out into open country before the last. And it looked like there might be a race on coming down to the last. And Lark in the morning was after working his way into room as well. And this lad just absolutely scooted away. Um, turbo boost, booster up the run in and won by a long way from, from a horse in Lark in the morning who had no well as trained by Joseph. Like is a very talented horse, like a stakes horse on the flat if he had more chance to show it and had been schooling really well and jumped well here. And he was made look very ordinary by Mighty Bandit on the day which in the context of this being the first time we've ever seen him on a race course, um, I thought was pretty electric. Um, if, if I had one little pause for caution, it was just what Gordon said about him afterwards in that he said he did a couple of bits of work and that he just went a little bit light on him. So he, he didn't really squeeze him on after that. He just decided to run him and see what happens. And we saw what happened. Um, but just with a view to the longer term, I wonder with that, Will the fact that he lightened off a little bit on him just make him one that he'll campaign a little bit sparingly in the in the in the first season of his career? Certainly, but Lordy, loads of talent in there, and and I believe uh, my fellow correspondent beside me on the screen here has, has more to add as well uh, because I, I was deeply impressed. Yeah, Daryl. Yeah, mighty bandit was my my sectional performance of the week. This uh, this was really quite impressive for, for a juvenile making his his race school's debut, like. Now, when you when you do sectional performances, you can get good comparisons with other races on the card. Now, my comparison is to Stateman, but I just want to say that Stateman did, as I mentioned earlier, run a fairly slow circuit time for for the for the grade. So, um, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but he was quicker on the circuit time, Mighty Bandit, than Stateman. It was a brilliant finishing effort from two out to the line. Mighty Bandit was 0.4 seconds slower than um, Stateman, when obviously Stateman's race is turning into a sprint. But from the back of the last to the line, he was half a second quicker than Stateman. Um, and you wouldn't expect that. If the circuit time has been slow, you'd normally expect a fast finish, especially from a horse like Stateman. But the fact that Mighty Bandit ran a quicker circuit time and was quicker off the back of the last, and it looked visually impressive the way he put that race to bed, um, I, I, I just... Couldn't get away from it being one of the best performances of the entire week, really, particularly from a horse that's only just making his race course debut. Um, the time adds up. I think the former workout, well, as Kev mentioned, the, the, the runner up at Lark in the morning was was with Joseph and Kev uh, on the flats and actually was, was behind another one of their decent sorts in Alder. I think the form's going to work out well. He made them look very ordinary and it was a performance to get excited about. I think this performance. You, you, we look at Burnett Road the other week and we said, you know, it was it was decent. This lad is 12, 14, 16s in a place. Burnett Road is 6-1. to one. This lad should be favourite for the triumph hurdle, in my opinion. 
Wow, in agreement, Daryl yeah. and Kevin. On it won't happen often. <laughs> mighty bandit. I mean, it might not happen often, but it's happened today. I like it. The performance of the week and time performance. So mighty bandit, certainly on the radar there. Um, we're going to go into our sort of Gold Cup. <laughs> that's that's close. Uh, Gold Cup anti-post um, preview. We like doing these anti-post previews. It, there's been... To be fair, there's been loads of action that's happened um, this week, and this is kind of like how the market stands. We'll try and go into each one to to try and relate to why the market is as it is. Galloping Deschamps then is around three to one. Jerry Clon four to one. Fast or slow fives. Shishkin twelve to one. Brave Man's Game fourteen to one. Lahore Press is sixteen. Gentleman's Game twenty. Noble Yates thirty three to one. We go thirty three to one. Uh, bar in the betting that is on the Betfair sports box. We're anti-post. We're looking at the Gold Cup. I want to go straight in with a listener question. Um, Daryl, uh, I want this question to, to be for you, if that's okay. And yep. Kevin, I'll never leave you out because I've got another little question for you. Um, but Daryl, Michael Walker says, if you were given, this is a hard question, by the way, Daryl, if you were given the choice, what three grade one races would you remove from the racing calendar to make the season more competitive and I suppose I'm not I'm not saying get rid of the Betfair Chase I love the Betfair Chase I'm just saying there aren't enough good horses and to have only four in the Betfair Chase was disappointing for some um but which three grade ones would you remove that's, that's tough Jesus <laughs> that's tough um yeah, great one. As Kev mentioned, the, the, the racing calendar needs a re- complete reshuffle, and, and there's a lot going. On. I personally would say the, I would only get rid of one Grade One, and that would be the, the Betway Bowl at Aintry at towards the end of the season. I I think that gives some horses. Uh, I think that would force more horses into the Gold Cup. The, the Gold Cup be the final Grade One over three miles of the season. Um, so I would get rid of that one. I would actually get rid. Of, wouldn't get rid of Grade Ones. I would get rid of Grade Twos. Uh, the two I can mm. think of. That fall close to the Betfair Chase is, is the Charlie Hall um, and the 1965 uh, Ascot uh, on the same day as the Betfair Chase. If you took those out, we'd have a stellar start to the season with the first grade one, uh, the Betfair Chase. And you'd think you'd put they'd push those horses from either of those two races I just mentioned into the uh, into the grade one Betfair Chase. So that would be the way I would go. I would look at getting rid of some of these grade twos, which fall around the grade ones and stop giving horses soft options. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I can add to that as well. Yeah, um, like I think, like, yeah, like I think what I think the thing to do is convert those grade twos into handicaps. You know, if you if you want to keep them, um, and and you know, reduce grade one options so that the top trainers have a choice. You can run in grade ones against the best of the round, or you can go and give weight away. Like this coming weekend is actually going to be quite interesting. Shishkin and a handicap. You know, it's actually going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting. Um, hope he jumps off because it'd be fascinating to see it. We love seeing these things, but we don't get enough chance to see it. Um, look, I have an issue with the, the John Durkin and, and the, the champion chase at Down Royal. Um, they're two fine races, but we don't need the two of them so close together. Um, Down Royal only has one grade one all season, you know, so it'd probably be tough to take that away. Do you need to, do you need to do something with the John Durkin? Um, I certainly would. Um, we, we don't have enough horses. You know, these races have, uh, would be all be perfectly fine if we had double the amount of top horses that we do, but we, we just don't. So we can continue kind of fooling ourselves and, per, and and carrying on because that's the way it's always been. Or we can actually adjust to what we're seeing, which is much less good horses, um, a much greater willingness to duck and dive. And um, 
yeah, I think we'll get it. We'd, we'd end up with a better um, a better racing product, which is important because nobody wants to watch uncompetitive racing. Very true. And Philip Murphy has written in and he said there's been talk in the media um, about the Gold Cup has left its mark on horses that ran in it as the likes. Of course, we can look at um, Galloping de Champ, Protectorat, although I think Protectorat was just like a kid in a toy shop. I think he just wah, blown his <laughs> inflated. Oh, senor. Um, they've been beat first time out this season. Uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't really like this narrative myself. Um, I, I look, I think it's a broad subject again. I'm actually going to, this, oh, here's an exclusive for you, Nat. I'm actually going to be on a Zoom call that'll be recorded, um, with Paul Nichols this evening. I'm talking about this broad subject because I think it's really interesting. And I think there's, there's lots that can be hammered into with it, you know, changing training methods, changing campaigning, um, tendencies. And Paul has been at the cold face there through, you know, what I will for which for me in my lifetime was certainly, you know, the 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 peak of national hunt racing, you know, the Cotto Denman time. And you look back at the way those horses were campaigned, and there was there was certainly no notion that a tough race and top company could ever diminish them um or other top horses around. So I'll be interested to discuss it with Paul and think if he's if he thinks anything's changed in the meantime, or the are these top horses being trained harder. For a lesser number of races, perhaps, um, is, is the way they're trained early in their careers having an impact. We know certainly over here in Ireland, um, National Hunter horses are being asked to do way more as young horses, you know, to go and win point to points than they were um, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. You know, I, I'm interested in hammering into all these points to see if we can um, add some colour to the picture because I don't think it's as simple as any one race can bottom a load of horses. I, I I don't see it that way myself. But anyway, I'll be that's my view. I'd be interested to see what Paul says later. I can't wait to see it. That that sounds really interesting. Daryl, have you got sort of a Yeah, I think they very feel about this. Yeah, I think they very rarely come back to the peak of their powers in the, when they're in the Gold Cup though. History is sort of tell you that a Plutar pulled up twice and was beaten 17 lengths after the Gold Cup. I think Manila Indo like only won three uh two grade threes in nine runs. Alvin Photo after his second Gold Cup he won two grade threes. He beat Santini next. Santini never won a race again. Um, like Size and John did win a grade one, but he, he sort of longevity was gone out of a likely race horse there. Don Cos, that was never seen again. Connie Green won a listed race, never seen again. Lord Mind Windermere never won again. Like, I do think it depends on the Gold Cup last year, for example, was an end to end gallop. Like mm. a, a proper old school Gold Cup, you know. I think Alvin Farrow, when he won his first one, it turned into a sprint from the third last. So perhaps there's a reason why he came back and won a second one. But look, I, every horse is individual, I think. Um, but in terms of Brave Man's game, you know, it was obviously beaten in the Betfair Chase at the weekend. He walked over the line in yeah. the, the Gold Cup. And I I have a feeling that he perhaps went to the depths of hell and uh, doesn't want to return. So that would be my personal opinion. But yeah, I, I'm... There's not many cases of horses winning the Gold Cup or finishing second in the Gold Cup and going on and winning grade ones. So yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Like I think the way things have changed, as mentioned, like I think horses are peaking earlier, national horses. Mm -hmm. And by the time a horse gets to a Gold Cup, you know, but at this stage, like a lot of them will have had a season of point to pointing, a season of bumpers, a season of novice hurdles, a season of novice chases. And then they're into open company. And sometimes they mightn't have a goal to goal cup until their second season in open chases. It's a long time. Yeah, like so I that think improvement's that, not really there. It's after the goal cup. Yeah. yeah. Like I think you look at it, you look at you can pick out plenty of examples. Like some when the, some of these horses look like absolute rocket ships as novices and they don't go on. Like, like I think really what we're seeing a lot 
is horses are reaching their, their physical peak when they're still a novice company and they go into open company and it just doesn't happen or it doesn't happen for very long. You know, I think, I suspect that that's what we're seeing rather than, you know, individual races bottoming them, which of course is a possibility. But um, I, I think I, I think a lot of things have changed and the program hasn't changed with it and the way the whole system hasn't changed with it. And that, that's why we're seeing horses not lasting at the top as long. Like look at the, a number of like the recent superstars and jumps racing, you know, were winning point to points before they turned four in mm. real terms. You know, and they and they 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 don't the point to points aren't like they used to. They don't just potter around and give them a nice educational experience. Like they're being gunned to win well and make a lot of money at the sales, and that that has to have a a cost down the line. You know. Yeah, and what like Daryl alluded to as well. You know, you big big races. You're asking the horse to go into the red zone. You know, to push the extremities of their capability, and there's only so many times the horse can go into the red zone before it goes, I'm, I'm all right, Jack, thanks very much. So we have <laughs> mentioned the bet fair chase. It's like me doing a marathon. I'm all right, thanks. Um, and John's affected <laughs> <laughs> the um, Gold Cup markets. We can, if, feel free if you, if you don't want to, but we can, if you've got an opinion on fast or slow, galloping to Champ, who did look a bit sticky at his fences, we've got to admit it, appreciate it, seemed to run, run really well. It was 50 to 1 into 12 to 1 for the Ryanair. Um, we've mentioned Brave Man's game. Shishkin obviously refused at the start. Hopefully, like Nicky, the in- interview, if he was at a different part of the course, the two matter, he would have gone off okay. He's obviously quite. Why would you put cheek pieces on Shishkin? I could see why after I thought they might do it after Cheltenham. Yeah, he was so he was so lethargic there. I thought if if he was a normal horse, you'd put cheek pieces or blinkers on him. But putting them on on a seasonal return now did raise an old red flag or two that they were seeing something at home Mm. to say, oh god, he might be going the wrong way on us mentally. Um, Look, we'll, we'll see more. I'm sure that they'll they'll make plenty provision now this weekend, and I hope he jumps off because it'll be fascinating. But I just. Look, he's a horse that's had loads of problems, and I just wouldn't be surprised if, if he's thinking about it and they're just doing everything they could to try and yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing with Shishkin is, I'm not joking. Every single time you see him, you know what mood he's in in the paddock, <laughs> in and in the pre. When I saw him at Cheltenham in the pre parade, ears back, it was raining. He was in such a mood. Just like, <laughs> oh, don't. I mean, he's clearly just quite moody like if he's on it he's on it and if, if he isn't he, he isn't and it's just whether yeah whether he's he's in the mood it's very difficult because well, all those years have been spoiled by Nicky now it just made, made him very strappy you know if he if, if not if, if, if things aren't if he doesn't get his Goldilocks porridge he uh yeah, he, he's upset. He needs everything to be just right. Yeah, yeah he's like he's like my missus. You got to catch her in the right mood if you want to ask that. <laughs> oh, it's just like he's like no, no, thank you, no, <laughs> no. It is, it's bonkers. But no, we've seen and anything on Brave Man's Game. You want to talk about anything? Um, Raw Pagai, anything? Yeah, that bet fair, that bet fair chase. Um, like Protector out went off far too hard. They were twenty eight yeah. lengths ahead of Grey Dawlings race. In uh, by the time they got to the second in on the first circuit in the home straight, and they maintained that up until about the twelfth. It, it was he's just gone far too hard. Brave Man's game was comprehensively outstayed. That that theory that he's gone too hard would would be backed up by the fact that Grey Dawling came home down the straight from the third last of the line, eighteen lengths faster than Royal Pagai. So. I think it was a. Uh, I don't think it was the best race to look for the Gold Cup winner personally. Over in Ireland, I thought Gallop into Chance was very lackluster. Yeah. Um, sticky at his fences. 
buried away and behind horses. I'd love to see him bowl along again from the front like he used to and see how he's um, how he has come out of that Gold Cup, really. I'm not a massive believer of the form of fast, fast or slow at the moment. I think he's been cut on the back of performances, disappointing performances from Gallop into Champs. Um, if you take Gallop into Champs out of that race, he's beaten, appreciate it. On last year's form, that wouldn't be good enough to warrant him being a five-to-one shot for the Gold Cup. Look, I respect him, but I want to see him take on a fellow improver. Um, and for me, at the moment, the Gold Cup market, this is this is about Jerry Kalom, and he's steadily shortening on the Betfair Sportsbook on the back of others disappointing. And that will just go to show how how much we lack depth, I think, personally, mm. in this race. I suppose careful probably mentioning Lahon Presso um is almost a forgotten horse. He, he if he comes back with a bang, he'll he'll be shorter than that, 16 to 1 for sure. And it's just one a big price I'll just quickly mention. I just thought we were talking earlier about ages of horses and, and sort of the longevity in them. I just wonder if Floor and Porter comes out and wins at Christmas, would they would they consider would they consider, given he's already a winner and open company over hurdles, would they consider he's eight turning nine? Kevin's face. Would, would I love, I love, I love that. Yeah, I love they, that. you know, what I mean, would they consider just thinking less? They're, they're, they're a ballsy syndicate that lot, and, and Gavin Cromwell's not afraid to do something. Said he's sixty-six. Yes, start, the, start the campaign, Daryl. Have a few yeah. quid in them. Start the campaign. I'd be with you. I'd be, i shoulder to shoulder with you in that one. <laughs> that would be class. I love it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, I look well. That is our gold cup anti post. Brilliant because we've had to cover loads because loads has gone on. So that is, that is brilliant to get all your thoughts. I think now we need to turn to our anti post selections though um, for the festival at this stage. Last week, just to recap so our listeners uh, remember, not trying to start you if you don't remember, Daryl's and um, Envoy LN at 14 to 1 for the Ryanair. Kevin Blake put up Croke Park at 20 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett. So, Kev, start us off this week then for your anti post tip. Yeah, look, we, we were talking about the Gold Cup there, and I, I'm happy enough to stay there. And um, because, like Daryl says, like it's just looking a bit, it, it looks a different race to what it did a couple of weeks ago now, especially with Gallop and the Champ and getting beat for the second time. Um, it, it just looks a bit open now, doesn't it? Um, and I just, I just think gentlemen's game is like overpriced. I really do. Um, it, I know people will say that Braveman's game getting beat the other day um, puts a bit of a dent in that form. Um, you know, and gentleman's game was receiving weight, etc. But it was only his third run over fences. You know, I think his stamina is yet to be fully stretched out over fences. I think that the, the gold cup will suit him really well. Um, and look, at he's going to turn up at a grade one next time, and I think he'll be very competitive. And if he is, he won't be the colour of 20 to 1, 20 to 5, 25 to 1 for the Gold Cup. Um, so I, like, I think there's there's value in that price, and I'm happy enough to take it and put it down on paper now. Do it, gentlemen's game. Fabulous jumper, lovely technique. Daryl, what's your anti-post tip for week two? Yeah, I'm going to take a bit of a swing this week, and it is a bit of a swing. Um, it's Jericho de Repinay for Nicky Henderson in the Supreme Novice Hurdle at 12 to 1. I got a lot of shit for this on Twitter earlier this week, right? <laughs> a lot. Um, but then people were saying, why don't you put him up 33 1 in the summer? The column went out in the bloody summer. The column only started a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And plus, I like to see horses have an entry. Um, this lad has got an entry at Newbury on Friday. He's starting in the race that Nicky won with John Bond, Bouverdere, those sort of types. Um, I really liked what he did in this point to point. Um, I got a glowing report from a friend uh, on the uh, on the Newbury Gallop morning. And I think that you have to take a chance with these novices because particularly ones from Henderson or the Willie Mullins Yard, because the moment they run and if they win, regardless if it's a weaker race or not, that price will be halved. Now, 
I like a horse in the race that's entered alongside him on Friday called Indiva Blur for um, Ollie Murphy. I think this is a proper horse. I think he could potentially be 140-plus horse. Now, if he beats him, beats him comfortably then i would be getting quite excited so i thought 12 to 1 was was, was fair enough i know he's a talking ho- uh, horse but i think there's reasons to back him now if he bombs out and he's no good so be it but i do think you have to take a bit of a swing sometimes with these novice hurdlers yeah thank you well that's a wrap for our anti-post tips for week two um and thank you for joining us great show covered loads of ground there uh, again, I'm just full of these, uh, all these one-liners. Here are um, we. <laughs> we are looking at our prices on the Betfair Sportsbook, but do gamble responsibly, please. It's absolutely important you are here to have fun. We're trying to give you our tips, but gamble responsibly is very, very important. But for now, Kevin Blake, we thank you. Have a wonderful week. Lots more action from us next week. Daryl Carter, thank you very much. Look forward to reading your column, Kevin. That Paul Nichols uh, interview will be fantastic. So, of course, seeing that. But thank you Hopefully. very much for week two. It would be great. It will. <laughs> and we'll see you next week.